Welcome to the RPG Podcast. And we are live. Oh, God, Pat! Presented by Sheep. A Time Wheel Production. Okay, then. Here we are. Once again, another episode of the Robert Patton Global Podcast. We're here with a special guest. They're all special, but none more special than Michael Phillip, host of the Third Eye Drop Podcast and a friend of a friend. It's been a long time coming. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. Yeah, thanks for having me, man. And this this production is is definitely next level for a for a remote podcast. I've never seen anything quite like this this alchemy you have going. I, I need to know. I need to know more. I need to know more. Well, you're in the cabal now, so we'll we'll give you all the secrets as as uh, you're willing to accept them. Oh, I'm I'm willing. Initiate me in all possible secrets, my friend. I mean, we're both podcasters, and so it's uh, there's no secrets per se of the trade, and uh, we're just trying to get better and better as we go, slowly evolving. Um, like my the, what I want to work on is lighting. Your lighting looks amazing. Mm. <laughs> well, uh, we'll we'll exchange we'll exchange tips for sure. So, tell me how you got into podcasting, if you don't mind, just to start it off. Yeah, man. So I think with every, not not even with just every creative endeavor, but if you reduce like everything human beings do down to its most basic essence, it's something absurd, right? I mean, like I've made jokes to this effect before, but if you take a single mouth noise, ah, it's absurd, right? It's just, it's a noise. It's it's literally just an absurd, meaningless noise into the void of existence. But then you you put together all of the vowels and all of the consonants and you have a sufficiently complex language with which to express almost anything, right? And in a way, I mean, if you just keep scaling this up, something like a podcast can be, you know, anything from a way to, I guess, advertise a brand or or hit on a pre-existing demographic, or it really can just be a completely open-ended medium for self-expression. And for me, for whatever reason, podcasting has become my way to make you know, the sounds that I'm putting into the void, so to speak, have some kind of meaning, you know, have, have, because everybody knows, everyone has that, that restless, roiling, spiritual ache inside their soul. And they fantasize about finding a way that they can, you know, feed that thing or sate that thing or whatever. And for whatever reason, for me, podcasting has become like the closest way for me to do that. So, um, to express yourself, yeah, like in, in, in the, in the right. most, uh, I, I find you like poetic, you know, in your delivery of words, <laughs> sounds coming out of your mouth, and it's quite 
uh, inspirational, some a little bit like uh, it makes me feel bad about myself. Like I need to read the dictionary. I mean, well, when you compare yourself to other people, like oh, that guy's so smart or whatever. It's like, but you don't want to ever say I'm dumb. But when you you just compare yourself to other people and you make an evaluation of where you are at in, in comparison, and it gives inspiration though to to be a better. So listening to you can be a uh, a joy in the way you express yourself. I mean, obviously you sound you have a, res a resemblance of Terrence McKenna, who also oh, had I this. That. <laughs> uh, you know, just his voice is iconic and and so having that along with the vocabulary and and what you're trying to express your true self it comes out in your podcast third eye drops the wonder dippers who uh, you're the the ultimate wonder dipper um, you're dipping into the the wonder of life and, and evaluating it with these words and and you do it very eloquently and it's i was just trying to make, pay you a compliment I really appreciate that, man. I really appreciate that. And I definitely don't deserve uh, any any accolades on the level of being compared to Terrence McKenna. But all of that said, I mean, I, I do find that comparison, obviously, incredibly flattering. And one of the primary reasons is not just his linguistic prowess, but his ability to keep it fun. You know, that that's the other big piece of it is like, I know I opened up with this big grandiose thing about like, podcasting is my way to to like cope with the scourge of this human incarnation or whatever, but it's also fucking fun, you know, like, it, and that's one of the other things that's so absent from, you know, this, this popular milieu of self exploration and, and exploring big existential questions or studying philosophy or whatever is, it's just like, anchored to this like boredom almost like technical jargon uh you know just kind of that like vacant of of that that novelty that sparkle that fun that excitement and there's very few people and terence mckenna is one of them that managed to bring that back you know if you um listen to him you know there's just so so many hours of him speaking online on youtube on podcasts on whatever and you can almost tell by the the cues like the 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 auditory cues of the audience that probably everything that came before was very boring and dry and academic and then suddenly this psychedelic bard of just like novelty comes and just starts spewing fractal amazement upon the you know the crowd and the, it starts with like little you know chirps of laughter and just like you know ran you know you start hearing the audience react and to and i'm like that i'm that audience member that's just looking for that thing you know and there there are a few people that manage to to marry those things but it's hard to do so so that's something that i i do mindfully try to um, embody myself is like how do I explore this shit without making it dry without keeping it fun without taking myself too seriously um, you know those are those are all things like like self-critical things that that enter my mind when I'm doing this shit 
Well, it's a constant exploration. And one thing that came to my mind as you were speaking about Terrence was this guy, Jordan Peterson, who's mm -hmm. very prevalent in today's culture uh, thoughts, or, uh, you know, evaluating yeah. what's happening. But And it made me think of, like, Terrence McKenna was the like the psychedelic Jordan Peterson because he's teaching principles of self-improvement, very basic shit about mm -hmm. like clean your own, clean your room, yeah. you know, clean your and, goddamn room. <laughs> you want to so, change the world, but you got to clean your damn room. Exactly. And these, you know, great thinkers of our past and present, that influence us to be better people is I think what possibly you and I are also trying to become ourselves. Cause I, I personally want to teach and help people learn how to be the, their best selves, you know? And, and yeah. I think that's kind of an angle you're coming from as well. Am I right? Oh yeah, sure. Sure. And, and, you know, to be completely transparent, part of this too is a prompt for me to do that for myself, mm. you know, like it, part of this for me, it, it has been an unbelievable tool for, for learning and exposing myself to new ideas. And also it's a weird Trojan horse to, to get in front of people, you know, like it's a weird, like I'm this dude from a smallish city in Wisconsin with a bachelor's degree. And there's no reason why I should be having conversations with best-selling authors and neuroscientists and people uh, who are at the forefront of trying to explain human consciousness and all and all of these things. But it, but somehow I've gotten myself in that position. So it's just as much like, yeah, I really do hope it's bringing people something valuable but at the same time like i'm i would be lying if i said it's not just a great tool for myself to to deepen my own understanding and for myself to explore and have the kind of conversations i just want to have you know yeah and they're so like unadulterated so pure these conversations like you're we're locked in i know we're using electronic devices but we're not being distracted by our other mm -hmm. external devices and the education you get from a conversation with a ch like championship fighter from mm -hmm. Albania I talked to last week and one of those countries, Albania, what, anyways, and just this, the, the journey, the struggle, the triumph, and there's always lessons, you know, with these conversations and being, I haven't talked to any neuroscientists. I don't know if I could hold that conversation for an hour, but perhaps if I just let the person talk, are you, but we grow, we're growing and this, and even this conversation we're having is, is going to, is a effort in, in that growth of just more understanding. Mm -hmm. And I want to, that you know, people were talking about Joe Rogan recently with this ivermectin, yeah, uh, oh yeah, controversy, and you're like, he's not a doctor, and I was my my daughter said that to me, he's not a doctor, he listen to doctors, and I'm like, do do you know the conversations this guy's had with the level of intelligent people that he has to absorb some of that intelligence, <clears throat> you know? Well, yeah, 
and, and not to mention, I mean, this isn't a controversial thing to say, is that he's not a doctor, but some doctor prescribed that to him. Yeah. You know, and, and, and this is the thing that is so sadly absent right now from the from the way that we conduct public discourse, or maybe it's not even that it's absent as much as this really pernicious thing has taken root, which is that if this is something, you know, choose your, choose your thing. It doesn't matter what it is, whether it's this example or another. If this thing doesn't fit into my view of the world with the, the group that I associate with, with what I believe to be true, I'm going to straw man it. I'm going to demonize it. I'm going to reduce it down to this cartoonish form that's absent of any value whatsoever, rather than look at the merits, the possibilities, or at least just at a minimum, like remain open-minded or acknowledge, like, I don't know, maybe like, you know, I just don't know. Totally. And that ability, that, that inability to be flexible with what you think, or at least not get super emotional when confronted with something that doesn't jive with your worldview, that's a dangerous thing. And, and, it, and it leads into all kinds of danger. I mean, people are openly talking about this, but you don't really see a whole lot of action. You know, people are openly talking about the division. They're openly yes. talking about the, you know, like I heard a statistic, I think just yesterday, that still something like two thirds or or three quarters of like Republicans just think the election wasn't real. You know, they just won't acknowledge that it was real. And you know, like, and you could say the same thing about the other side as well on on a whole host of issues. You know, and that just 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 like outright refusing something you know and and no i don't have all of the evidence or statistics i'm just i'm just using an example Let, right right anyone out there listening um use whatever hypothetical example and that's that's so sad to me you know it's 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 the obvious like one of my favorite philosophers is socrates and socrates was you know he was so famous for just questioning people and breaking people down that he eventually got arrested and chose to to commit forced suicide, you know, like like if that's not one of the most bad badass things in in Western history, I don't know what is. And and we've lost and and everyone has universally recognized the great like the the greatness of that, right? I mean that we every kid walking around at least knows the name. They may not know what he's famous for, but they know the name. Like how how what percentage of people who lived 2000 plus years ago, do we still know their name to this day? You know, uh, and, and, uh, and we've lost that. Like we've lost that Socratic sparkle of just always questioning, always returning to the fact that we don't know, we just fundamentally don't know anything. You know, these, these big concepts that, that underpin our society, our, our identity, our ego, they're, they're mirages, you know, and they're mirages that we should be investigating and questioning and and rebuilding and remodeling as we learn more but instead we're just like retreating into our partisan corners we're retreating into comfort and i think that's really not only dangerous but terrible for self-development you know 
Well, yeah. I mean, I wrote down The Man in the Mirror, Michael Jackson, a very famous uh, song. It, it all starts with us and self-reflecting on our own belief systems that we might need to call into question for, you know, and, and be willing to admit that you are wrong. Like so many people are not willing to admit that they might have the facts wrong. Like maybe, maybe the coronavirus came from a, a meat market. Maybe it came from the lab or whatever. And but you want to, you know, dig your heels in the ground and mm -hmm. this is, this is my truth and I'm sticking to it regardless of whatever new information, um, comes out and but for me you know a realization i had was you know i joined the iraq war in the time of war when the propaganda was heavy that mm -hmm. brown people are bad that you know the muslims in general you know yeah. like they're all out to get us and kind of naively stupidly whatever i kind of believed that and it took my wife ultimately like question like questioning people people don't want to be called on their bullshit it's uncomfortable and and like when she questioned me i'm like you're the, are you did you not see the news like right. they're bad but then it's like she's like have you ever met one have you talked to one like and yeah. all and i'm like and then you know so we have to evaluate ourselves and so many people aren't willing to do that you know i pat mm -hmm. myself on the back like i feel like i've outgrown that naive belief system based on just self-evaluation like what wait a minute did i don't even know anyone all i've seen is these movies that portray them this way yeah and uh and there's plenty of examples of uh you know peaceful loving caring successful muslims and just like look at don't look at what the news is telling you as well yeah I'm finding on both sure. sides, on both sides is what people need to get, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Not only the news, but I mean, the news rightfully so, you know, gets this rap because clearly they're preying on low hanging fruit. They're preying on fear. They're preying on, you know, people's uh, political affiliations. They're the way that they self identify and, you know, they, they portray a set of circumstances that might be a threat to the to their identity or the way that they identify and then you know that elicits an emotional reaction so so you're essentially watching something that is although it may not be unfactual it's manicured in such a way that manipulates your emotions and gets you to come back through manipulation of very base emotions and this is something that you know not not just him, but so many philosophers warn about, but the, the whole Socrates line, you know, particularly Plato, he warned against trusting your emotions too much. He warned against associating and, and conceptualizing your deepest self in terms of your emotions. And he had a, he had a phrase for this, um, it was something like the world of sights and sounds or something like that. And what he meant by that, you know, by not associating too much or getting too caught up in the worlds of sights and sounds is that it distracts you from not only your true nature, but it, it really clouds your mind. You know, it really clouds your mind with this like overcast of clouds and shadows that are, you know, influencing your ability to 
um, interface with the sun behind those clouds, like your true self, your, your true nature, your true being, true wisdom. And what that true wisdom is, is, is unclouded. You know, this is why they, this is why they use this terminology is like, it's unclouded, it's clarity, it's light. It's, it's being able to, to pierce right to the heart of a situation with insight that isn't, um, you know, isn't predicated upon your things like we've been talking about, your, your emotions, your, your political affiliation, your idea of yourself, your ego. And we're, you know, our, again, our rush to associate with emotions in that way and, and our and our willingness to continually put ourselves in these situations where our where our emotions are being manipulated it's dangerous man and it's not but but my original point was it's not just the news you know it's like people demonize the news and then they'll go into their internet echo chamber of choice and not realize they're doing the exact same thing to themselves in a new way you know so it's like i don't know i think the only the only prescriptive thing to do is be like is is enter all of this stuff with curiosity. Enter all of it with like, oh, look, look what I feel like when I'm going here. Look, look at what my um, unconscious predispositions are when I enter into a conversation. You know that that to me is the kind of self-reflective critical thinking that I'm I'm just not seeing, sadly. This episode is brought to you in part by Element Kombucha. It's a new sponsor. We're very excited. They sent me a care package and I drank them all. I can't even show you. I could show you this empty bottle right here, but uh, it's uh, Element Kombucha. They have CBD um, infusions, THC free, really tasty blends. You know, kombucha is good for the gut bio. So if you have been taking antibiotics, it's always good to take some probiotics. And Element Kombucha is sponsoring this show. They're supporting us. So we're asking you to support them. They actually have really good prices. It's like 10, 15 bucks for a six or eight pack on their different options. They have variety packs, or you can just get the summer vibes blend, whatever you want. It's at elementkombucha.com. Promo code RPG11 will save you 11% on your purchase and they'll know that we sent you and we would appreciate the support. Last but not least, sheathunderwear.com, the greatest underwear on the planet, the underwear of legends, the underwear that keeps your balls from sticking to your legs. That's right. This is the best underwear because it keeps your boys cool. Check out sheathunderwear.com. Back to the show. Uh, I, we, I had an instance this past weekend, and it was people talking about Biden, and he's mm -hmm. a little, you know, his mental mental state is not completely like sharp. And it was pointed out to a friend of mine in our friend group. And he got so mad, like yeah. immediately jumped to the defensive, like he's smart, he's better. And he just immediately went to like, he's better than Trump. But it was like this goblin came out. He got mm -hmm. so defensive. And yeah, sure. Like you could always probably justify he's better than Trump in, you know, in your mind yeah, uh, because of whatever ideas you had about Trump. And but we weren't talking about Trump. We were just talking about him, and he, right, he, got, right, right. he got like 
immediately he took it to Trump and like comparing yeah. him to Trump. And I was just like, whoa, dude, like you're just, it was totally reactive, totally emotional. Yeah. And it was kind of almost funny in a way because like the psyche and how, what you were kind of explaining. Yeah, totally. Yeah. It's like, it's like you slap somebody with sunburn or something. It's just this, it's just this unconscious reaction of like, of emotional distress that is really, you know, pretty, pretty unwarranted. Like, like maybe he viewed that as a dog whistle for some, some other way of thinking that offends him or something like that. But, but who knows? But yeah, that those rushes to emotional um, reaction to me are, I want to say they're perplexing, but sadly they're not perplexing because I see, I really do see how people get in this predisposition to be offended, to be, and it's funny because, you know, the the main um, narrative is that it's people on the left who are serially offended. It's people on the left who can't, who can't take a joke, but man, you see it on the right too. And it comes out in completely in, in ways, you know, like with that example that I, that I alluded to earlier of, of not believing the outcome of the election. It's like, you're just being a sore fucking loser in your own way. And I'm not like, again, I'm not picking on either side because I, I don't, I truly, w when I hear about something happening in the world, when, when something happens to me, I do not apply a political filter first. I really don't like, I, I, I see why people do, but I, I don't, I genuinely do not apply a political or ideological filter to the shit that happens in the world. It just doesn't feel right to me, you know? Well, um, I mean, and people are people, whether you're on the left or the right, and I guess something to do with original sin, like we're all corruptible. Oh, and yeah. so to place this benevolence on either side uh, is naive like mm -hmm. they're all fucking playing us and we're all just pawns in this i think as some kind of social experiment i feel like something's happening on top above presidential level like could like be. i mean yeah and possibly it could could not be could all just be people are trying to do the best they can with what they have and you know like as far as politicians yeah. are concerned just trying to it's human nature to take care of your people, you know, and like the people closest to you. And you start off with this uh, idea of changing, uh, you know, society for the better. And then reality maybe sets in that it's a lot more complicated than that. And mm -hmm. then you just kind of seek your own self-interests ultimately yeah. while, you, while you're in power. I don't know, though. Yeah, the, the grand conspiracy always kind of <laughs> looms, right? It's always a possibility. I mean, that there is just huge amounts of unseen power exercising control over the minds of people and over, you know, the, the game of politics. It's, it's always there. But McKenna does have a great rap on that. The, you know, his sort of the, the I think it's, it's the line that sticks out to me is that no one knows what's going on. Have you heard that whole rap of his where where he's talking about the the true conspiracy is the conspiracy of complete and utter chaos and novelty just yo-yoing up and down and like just crazier and crazier shit happens because that's the way that the universe functions. And, you know, this gets into his whole kind of overarching 
uh, novelty wave theory where he thinks that um, information just complexifies over time. And, you know, he, he would talk about another rap, time is speeding up. You heard of that, the, the, the time is speeding up one. And what he means by that is you're getting, you know, a second may still be a second, but how much more information in that second is there today versus a thousand years ago? Wow. Like you had nature a thousand years ago, right? You had bugs crawling around, you had people running around, but the internet didn't exist. Uh, you know, books didn't exist a, th a thousand years ago. Yeah, never mind. Never mind. Books definitely existed. But, um, you know, uh, hard drives <laughs> didn't exist. Um, telephones didn't exist. Televisions didn't, you know, like all of that information still exists in the same bandwidth of time. So this is what he means by time is speeding up. And, and now by complexifying every instant the opportunity for crazier and crazier shit just keeps happening. And, and that's what we're seeing in the weirdness of reality. We're just seeing, um, you know, the variable that he called novelty, just speeding up and yo-yoing and things getting crazier and crazier and crazier until we eventually hit this uh, omega point or this singularity of some kind where the nature of reality fundamentally changes. And, and people like to pretend that he was wrong because 2012 didn't happen. Um, but let's just cut out a date. I think it's pretty objective that he was pretty fucking right. That shit is just getting weirder and weirder and weirder and har harder to predict, but also at the same time, because shit is trending weirder, easier to predict. It's just like, there is no there is there is nothing that could surprise me at this point almost like if aliens truly showed up tomorrow <laughs> i would have probably like a decade ago been 10 out of 10 surprised now it'd be like a 5 you know uh, yeah it'd be like it's of like, course yeah, almost yeah yeah there i mean for 2012 i traveled up to colorado to the mountains in case there was a polar shift uh oh, wow. in, the, in the oceans like kind of because there was all these prophecies yeah. uh, of a shift right and we didn't know what it was going to be but clearly some sort of shift has occurred maybe it wasn't exactly in 2012 maybe it was 2016 for instance but reality is no longer what it what it was um it's much more complex and emotional yeah. it seems like i you know, like even just going to the bathroom a thousand years ago, you would be sitting there maybe thinking or whatever, but now we're all looking at our phones and checking the news and getting constant updates with whatever's going on. We got to be connected and got what's going on and it's gossip. And I mean, gossip has always existed, but to this level, it's constant and ever-changing. Yeah. And two days later, whatever it was, the problem is... There's a new one now, and, you know... Yeah, there's Fauci a whole... No, I was just going to say there's a whole universe yeah. of gossip and, and speculation that you can just... Whoosh, you can just, like, sink and meld right into that thing to the point where it completely just takes over your, your brain, right? Yeah, and we... And then on the brain, you know, some of us are more right-brained, some are more left-brained, and... 
I feel like communicating only with people of like-minded thought patterns is very limiting. And we and I feel like we, all of us have been doing this a lot for the past few years, let's say five years. And I saw a podcast recently with Trevor Noah, who's the host mm -hmm. of The Daily Show, which I was like not loving for like, since John Daly was gone, but he had on John Stewart, yeah. John Stewart, John Daly. Sorry, thank you. <laughs> he had on Dan Crenshaw, this uh, you know right mm -hmm. Republican guy, and then the left, and it was such a agreeable kind of conversation. Yeah, where we're not that far off. I think we're just yeah. not talking. You totally, know? man. Yeah, yeah. To to, to open heartedly enter a discourse with a disposition of wanting dialogue you know like th this is something that we have slowly eroded away even in the tradition of philosophy where dialogue dialogos as the greeks called it used to be a primary way of trying to get to truth like you know if you read any of the platonic texts a lot of it is dialogue it's like him and, and other philosophers talking about concepts of like what is an ideal civilization? You know, this is what the Republic is about, for example. Like, and over time, academic philosophy got away from that because they're like, no, you can't prove anything through dialogue. You can't reach a logical, a truly sound, you know, finalized measurement of truth from dialogue. So it's not really useful but people don't work in terms of ex like final truths people real i don't even think reality works in terms of final truths unless you're just talking about hard physics and you're you're doing like calculations or something like that everything is in flux people's feelings bodies opinions maybe reality itself is constantly in flux and dialogue itself is a way to like surf that flux and if we're not you know, entering into dialogue regularly with people that we perceive to be on the other side of an issue or or somehow apart from us on an issue, we're we're doing, I really think we're committing a, a sin weirdly against humanity itself because we're not because what that indicates is that we're not actually trying to um resonate with our fellow man we're not trying to reach an understanding we're we're trying to draw we're drawing a battle line and staying there and firing shots you know trying to be and, right yeah try, know, trying to be right right which what the fuck yeah. does that even mean you yeah. know and um john vervaki who has this amazing amazing series he's a professor um at the university of toronto and he has this amazing series on youtube called awakening from the meaning crisis where he essentially like goes from ancient Greek philosophy all the way up through, you know, modern cognitive science and all of this stuff and, and tries to help people, give people the tools they need to meaning make. And, and he talks about dialogos, dialogue in this way, where we have now, even if we're having a dialogue, like we're pointing to, people tend to, with someone from the other side, people tend to approach like we're having some kind of verbal fight, right? Yes. Um, but what we should be doing 
is entering into that dialogue, figuring out what I can learn. Where are my weaknesses? What can I learn from this person? Why does this person believe that? Instead, we want to, you know, we want to straw man their opinion. We want to, like I was talking about in the beginning, we want to reduce their opinion down to this cartoonish, ridiculous thing where we're saying someone's taking horse to wormer, you know, like, or, or whatever it is. Like, it doesn't matter, what, again, what it is in instance. It's if you're rushing to straw man the other side and not look at their strengths, you're actually weakening yourself and you're weakening your own argument. And I'm, I'm not, again, I'm not saying the whole point is to build the best possible argument so you can destroy the other side. I mean, I guess, I guess it comes down to what's your goal. Is, is your goal to find common ground to increase understanding or is your goal to, to like go to war against people that disagree with you? I guess that's the first question you have to ask yourself. But um, for me, it's yeah. definitely the former. Like I'm, I'm not interested in ideological supremacy. You know, I'm interested uh, in curiosity and, and exploration. Um, yeah, I mean, the idea themselves. that you could be wrong is a good preposition to going into a conversation with someone you know I, I i'm interested in the truth you know i i guess that's cliche but that's why we want to have these conversations who is right or who, you know whatever right is and i think there is a probably a right maybe it's a percentage you know more right than wrong because we all don't really know how to move forward the best way with 7 billion people on the planet. You know, it's like, who has the answers? We're just trying yeah. to figure it out, I guess. And right. work together, you know. Yeah, man. Yeah. And, okay, so I had, I did have a couple of questions pre-conversation. Sure. And, and one of them is like a good segue, I think, from here because we have trying to find the truth in these conversations. And then Third Eye Drops has a sort of psychedelic yeah. uh, background and how psychedelics might help in the, you know, help, help us get to the truth or an understanding yeah. where we can all kind of coexist peacefully, you know, with a common understanding what do you what what are your thoughts with psychedelics and, yeah. and their role in this? Yeah, this is something I almost got into before. Um, and I but I think in the context of where we just came from in the conversation, if you are ready to soften the walls of your reality tunnel, if you're ready to admit, hey, maybe the way that I view the world is limited, not quite right, missing something. Psychedelics is a great way to prove that to yourself. I mean, there's something, there, there's, there's multiple places I always go to, almost on every single trip. One of them is realizing how foolish I am, realizing how little I know, revisiting the fact that I shouldn't take myself too seriously, laughing at some of the things that I value, you know, la laughing at some of my physical possessions. Like I remember the first time I took a significant dose of mushrooms, I was looking around at my apartment laughing at stuff because I was like, oh, this completely nonsense piece of 
whatever decoration on the wall. At some point, I thought that was important, and I put like a bunch of mental energy on it or something. <laughs> you know, just just stuff like that. You, you just you just look at everything, and you're like, "Wow, I'm so fucking important, aren't I?" I I really, you know, and and that's really valuable to just. In a weird way, it sounds like I'm making fun of myself, but in a weird way, it's like giving yourself a break from taking everything so goddamn seriously all the time. You know, so that, so that's one thing. That's one huge piece of influence. Um, on the sort of opposite end, something that's equally influential is when it brings you down into the sort of pit of revisiting your mortality and the fact that it's just marvelous and awe-inspiring and amazing that you're you're also directly plugged into that kind of flux that I was talking about, the feeling that everything is just kind of moving and streaming in this kind of weird fractal way where it's just this like river of being just constantly coming into existence. But then at the same time, you're aware of the fact that things are constantly going out of existence and that you're in the process of coming and going and that it just feels very real. Like I am in the process of not being here in this form anymore. And then that's like another equally powerful influence, maybe even the most powerful influence for me on doing something I want to do with life. You know, doing something that is inspiring, doing something that gets me excited, doing something that gets me to interface with wonder and awe and ideas that make, you know, that that really stir me, you know, because it's, you know, it's funny, um, you know, Jen, Jen Sedini, um, or Jen Aronovich now, her and her husband posted something this morning, um, and it was this kid who was going to see a movie. And uh, someone from the news interviewed this kid on his way into the movie. And it's like, you got to imagine this is like a nine-year-old kid. And they're like, oh, uh, what do you, or why are you excited to see this movie? And he's like, I'm hoping it'll crack me up. I really haven't cracked up in a while, you know, just really crack up. And I, I shared that and I captioned it with me before mushrooms uh, because it's not just, you know, because yes, you do sometimes get in these actual fits of deep gut busting laughter, but also crack up in a way of like absolute devastated sadness, like because it's cathartic, you know, and, and psychedelics take you to these extremes sometimes just like like that like you'll be laughing the deepest laugh and just just you know bellowing the most like horrified cries like right after that and that's part of cracking up too because in, in daily life where we're surrounded by the same shit the same actions the same people you lose sight of those deep deep flavors of being alive of like being afraid being elated being terrified, you know, all of these different things. It, it's like a, it, it like reform, it gets you back in touch with the whole kind of like, I'm making this like weird fluid motion with my hands right now. It's like, yeah. it's like, you know, if, if you're, you're, if you're constantly in this state on a daily basis, I'm clasping my hands together really tight right now for people not 
like clinched. Visually. You're like clinched. Yeah, you're just like your ego is this and your actions are this. There's not a lot of flexibility. Psychedelics come and they just go like, Whoa, and they're like, oh yeah, all of those things. I have access to all of those things and I've been out of touch with those deep, deep, bitter and sweet flavors of being alive. And it just inspires action, you know, wh whether it's wanting to to be happier and laugh more or whether it's wanting to take advantage of your limited amount of time in this incarnation, it inspires action, man. So that's, you know, that's in a lot of ways why I do anything creative because it just reminds you that, man, <laughs> you don't have forever. And, and you forget that. And psychedelics will wake you up to that in a very visceral, impossible to ignore way. Yeah, I'm a, of all the psychedelics I've done, which are most of them, I think mushrooms, like golden teachers, are probably yeah. the most uh, easily to process and digest and for the transition into this other space. And what you were talking about, like with the laughing and the crying, I have... You know, we all have our phone and you always have it on you. So last time I was in one of these journeys, I had it and I, I was like, I want to capture this moment. Like, cause I'm laughing hysterically while I'm crying at the same time because I, I realized like sheath and, and what we built over the course of 10 years. And it just like all hit me at once, like in this weird, yeah, yeah moment where I was happy and like proud mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but I, you never we never really stop ourselves in daily like we're always go go going and, yeah. and it's constant progress and we know like it's hard to take a moment to like process I guess and sometimes just taking like mushrooms I like to do it every couple of months personally some people mm -hmm. with less some people just need maybe one time or or never you know for that instant but uh it it helps me slow down and and, and like enjoy yeah what it, earth life yes uh, man yeah yeah this the slowing down i mean that's a whole another one of my raps as of late is just in the face of everything always being faster, everything always appealing to your emotion, everything always demanding your attention, you have to somehow create space to do that slowing down or you just get sucked out and spread over the bread of everything in a way that you just can't stop, you know? Like, unless you have an alarm on your phone that goes off and says time for mindfulness. Unless you have a plan where you're like every four months I go eat mushrooms with a really close friend or by myself or whatever, whatever it is, if you don't have a way to slow down profoundly, you are, you're out of, again, you're out of touch with reality. You're to use that platonic example from before you're stuck in the world of sights and sounds. You're, you're detached from a more clarified reality you know another great platonic myth the you know the the myth the allegory of the cave in, in that myth you're stuck just watching the shadows on the wall you're enamored with whatever play 
is going on in the world that's consuming your attention at that time. And I really do believe that all of that's fun. The game of life is fun. We should totally play that game, enjoy it, play it mindfully. But you got to remember, that's a game. Like, that's a finite game that you're playing. And slowing down, I think, is the only way to do that, but then also to recontextualize what you're doing with the game. Revisit, how am I playing this game? Do I even care? Do I want to be even playing this game? Or is this game just bewitching me into playing it, you know? Um, so yeah, I think slowing down through psychedelics or slowing down through a con contemplative practice or uh, journaling or whatever it is, it's like, it's just so, so valuable. And I think people intellectually know it, but they're really bad at doing it. I mean, I know I am. I, I've gone in bouts of like, you know, meditating every single day for months and months and then just fall off and not meditate once for months, you know? It's, a, it's yeah. an ongoing battle for sure. The meditation I do daily and it, you know, because psychedelics, meditation, exercise. Yeah. These yeah. Mo these moments of clarity come and can show you like if you're in a bad relationship, like how do you end up in a bad relationship and you're in it for like a decade and but you just you never maybe slowed down enough to think I could I could get out of this relationship or you know I get and by that I mean a, a job, yeah. maybe a relationship, whatever path you're on like stopping, slowing down, reassessing, just make sure you haven't veered off course in, in the in the the rush of life, you know, yeah. getting caught and, up in it. And realize it's never too late. It's never too late to go back on course. Doesn't matter if you're 25, 35, 45, it doesn't fucking matter. It's like why, why would you just commit to a path you don't want to be on because you're 55? It's like, well, I only got two decades left. I might as well just ride this shitty, bumpy, loveless road into oblivion. Like, no, no, that, you know, that's not right. You know, that's not right. Right. It's, it's never, it's never too late either. Yeah. And, but not, not everyone has access or insight to, to, access to psychedelics and I, and that, I, you know, that's not the answer to everything. Cause I think you no. can find a lot of the answers just through meditation. Um, but it does soften the walls, like you said, of reality so that you can reassess a little bit less, uh, constrictively. I don't think that's a proper way to say it, but you, you're just more open mm -hmm. to new, possibilities i think definitely absolutely yeah yeah and i mean I'm, by the way i'm with you i think my my go-to for for doing that kind of work is is mushrooms also and i don't want to make it sound like it's not profound or powerful it's absolutely very profound and very powerful and it can go from a fairly mild experience to one that turns the dial up to 10 if you just take more you know like you you, you know like double the dose and you're, uh, you're doing hard hard work um that's just reality quaking self-nullifying work but um 
but I'm I'm with you. I'm with you on that. Yeah, and, it's just a, it's just cleaner. I've tried these other ones, and some of them are like DMT is too fast. Yeah. Ayahuasca is too messy for me personally. Yeah, um, it's just it's straight to the point, and there's no like sickness with it as mm -hmm. at least very little. But do you think do you think that there's something to be said? For that messiness of ayahuasca, and your, and I don't know what your experiences with it have been like, but um, do you think that messiness helps in any way? I mean, purging. It was mostly the physical messiness of it, the vomiting and yeah, the other side of it, and just like I didn't find that as insightful as, as I might find other, you know, experiences with other medicines. Whereas, like with straight, like with DMT itself, like that was profound in that I shot out of my body. I lost all connection with this dimension, or at least with my physical body. So I was in another dimension. I came back, and I, I saw the the route there. There's a lot of doors opening, and yeah, um, you know, just to say what happened when I got to the other side. I like the last door that opened was into a room. It was like a glass house. Everything was white, and there were jesters drinking tea at a coffee, at a table, and they were like conversing. And he, the guy, like turned turned his head and looked at me and just put uh, one lip to his fingers and was like, shh, like wow. a shush sound. Yeah. And from that, I got. We have all this under control. You don't need to be here. Go back to your reality and do what you need to do there. We'll be here. We'll take care of this side. So it's like they showed we exist. And to me, that meant consciousness exists outside of the physical form. But you have a job to do in your physical form. So go yeah. do that. The prevalence of that trickster jester archetype in in inside of the psychedelic experience in a very, very obvious sometimes cartoonish way is so interesting to me like i that was one of the things um for me on ayahuasca actually and, and i've had it on at pretty much every trip to mean i've done but in in a very malevolent kind of making fun of me in an abusive way happened on ayahuasca where it was just like you're in that pit of of not just sickness where you're vomiting, but yeah. your mind is in complete, like for me, my mind was just tumbling through chaos and disarray in a way where it was like being on a sickening psychedelic roller coaster of just like spinning and illness and feeling like I'm dying and really, really just going down the spiral of doom for hours and hours and hours in a way where it's like, I want this to stop, you know, and, and I was saying, I was saying, please make this stop, please make this stop. And all the facilitators were like, you can't make it stop. You can't make it stop. Like you're gonna, you're gonna break through this, you're gonna break through to insight, you're gonna break through to power, you're gonna break through to all of these things, but we can't stop it. And and there was a very visceral feeling of that archetype taking pleasure in 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 fucking with me. I'm being like, ooh, you came here, you came here to learn something. You came here for for insight. How about if instead I go to all of your buttons and dials in your body and I just go 10, 10, 10, 10, turn everything to 10. So it's just like, ah, uh, you know, just completely being overwhelmed with 
with everything. And, but on the other end of that, um, it, it did eventually break through. And, and I don't want to get off topic from the original point of the trickstery archetype, but I've even seen it in like a, almost like a, like a cartoon manifestation, like going like, blah, 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 like kind of thing where it's just, what, what is that? Like, why, why, do, why does everyone's mind go to that place? Why does everyone seemingly see this trickstery jestery archetype? I wonder. I was, I was really surprised when I heard Joe Rogan's story after I had had mine, which was similar, but different in the, the trickster gesture just shot him a bird. Oh yeah. And I was like, it's similar like hand gestures, uh -huh. but I, I, I'm like, did I hear that? And, and then the, that kind of fed into my experience, but I'm, I believe that I hadn't heard that. And I think I would, I'm not like going to lie to myself, but so uh, multiple people are having this uh, similar experience yeah. with no connection to each other. Definitely. You know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, and you hear this all the time from, you know, facilitators who are doing this work full time, like shamans and, you know, the prevalence of different things, different beings, different stories. They're like, yep, I've heard that same story a hundred times of the big mantis wow. thing coming to you and like doing something. You know, it's like, why? Like, are, are, and this is, of course, you know, where this conversation could take a left turn into beings and into, you know, these, could there actually be non-local consciousness that we're interfacing with that our brain or our minds struggle to make sense of? So they kind of paint them over with this weird concept that we have where it's like, it's not a mantis thing, but I have nothing better to show you. So here's a mantis thing. Here's a jester yeah. because that's all we can do. Here's Jesus. You know, some people swear like, no, I met Jesus. And it's like, wow. well, some people also think they met a jester cartoon man. You know, it's like, I mean, I'm not, and I'm not saying any of them aren't real or are real. Like I yeah. don't, I just don't know, but I do know the experience is definitely real. And that's, that's worth something. And it's, you know, I feel like if it was taught ahead of time, because some of us take these things for the or took them for the first time without any instruction prior. And I remember the first time I took mushrooms with my older brother, I was just go. I was with my older brother. I was like 16 and I was, I had no idea what I was doing. Yeah. I was just taking, they blended it in some orange juice. I killed it and it was it was strong and it was powerful. Mm -hmm. And I, I remember at one point like wanting it to stop and I'm, because I'm like, okay, this is going on for a long time. I, I probably lost all track of time, Yeah, but it was just the wanting it to stop. Whereas now I know it's going to stop soon. I don't have, that's not something I need to worry about, but I was worried about it on that first trip. And if people could just be more educated in their experimenting with these things uh you could get so much so much out of it mm -hmm. i mm -hmm. think and so if there was going to be a recommendation if you were going to ever do a psychedelic i would suggest mushrooms but i would also suggest like google like watching 
you know, hours and hours of YouTube videos to get the best possible experience out of it when it comes to preparation, intention. Don't just take it and go to a party and like be with a bunch of people you don't know. Definitely. You know, it's like, that's what I did. And I was kind of not scarred. I, I mean, but it, was, yeah. it wasn't the best experience. Yeah, it can lead to confusion for sure. And it, it can lead to to mental distress, not in a way that, for the vast majority of people is going to be anything more than like an unpleasant roller coaster ride where it'll be over and you'll be like, oh, that's not what I expected. Fuck. Yeah. But you'll feel fine. You're, you're not going to go crazy. You're not going to become schizophrenic for most people. I, right. I know some people have, and I'm not, I'm not trying to diminish the possibilities because I do think that there are possibilities, particularly for people with certain predispositions or like definitely if you're on an SSRI, you're never supposed to take a trip to me until you're clean off of that SSRI. Wow. But, um, but yeah, no, I think, I think there's a very clear reason that these things were used as sacraments and in a non dogmatic way, I think they should be treated as such, you know, they should be treated as, this will put you in contact with your soul. You know, for people who, who haven't heard this, uh, psychedelic is actually the, uh, a combination of two Greek words, psyche and delios, which are, uh, no, psyche and, uh, um, no, I forgot what the second one is, but it means, it means mind manifesting. It means, or soul manifesting, because psyche uh, to the Greeks was both mind and soul. So it's kind of the idea of, you take this to get in contact with your soul or your the essence of your mind if you if you're not comfortable with the word soul and th that's the way i approach it for sure is like with a lot of reverence and and i would say yeah. over time my reverence has only gotten deeper like since having um those really brutal ayahuasca experiences every time i'm entering in i'm like oh here we go like i just i have you you fool yourself after a while about what the experience is. And then as soon as it starts to kick in, you're like, oh, fuck, here we go. You know, it's just, now I remember. Now I remember what this is. Uh, um, at least that's where I'm at. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's, uh, I, I try to, like, now I, ever since I did ayahuasca, I haven't done it again. Or and, and with the DMT, it was like, they were like, we have this under control. You don't need to come back here. And I had more. DMT that I planned on doing the next day I, for whatever reason, like, and I just, I dumped it down the toilet and I was wow. like, they, they said, don't come back. I'm not going to disobey. Like this was a powerful experience that I'm not just going to take lightly and just be like, Oh, whatever. That didn't mean anything. Yeah. So I had a similar, um, quick, quick story. I had a similar please. experience with, with ayahuasca and my, my experience with that was, um, you know, we were down in Peru it was a very intense um, five session thing yep. where you go, you go one, two, three sessions on the front end, take a break and then four or five on the back end. And it was so like that set of circumstances I described feeling just like I'm on this just roller coaster of, of devastation. And when I say roller coaster, I don't mean like going from low to high I mean, like going from low to lower to lower, just just really feeling like I'm dying. I hate this. I would do fucking anything to make this stop. But then there's this weird thing that happens when you come out the other side 
that you just appreciate life, just like standard life, because <laughs> you, you've juxtaposed it with here's absolute chaos. Here's not being in control of your faculties. Here's being in total emotional disarray. And then you go back to just being even and you're like, oh, man, everyday life is the shit. And, uh -huh. and that in and of itself is a really big lesson. But then on the third session, that's when I had my don't come back here moment because I got to this place of like placid, just beauty and feeling like I was kind of one with the universe, yet also thinking as myself and then also interfacing with uh, like an entity that was just kind of like the wise old man, you know, okay, here we are. Here's the place that you wanted to go. Like, what can I help you with? Like, what do you want? And it was just hitting me with just like waves of inspiration. You know, like every creative thing I wanted to do, he's just like, here you go, here you go, here you go. And I was just like, oh my God, like, this is it. This is the pinnacle of my mind. It's the only time in my life where I truly, truly felt like I was having a quote unquote third eye experience where I wasn't half joking. Like it, I legitimately felt something in the center of my head to a point where I was like, I was like brushing, like kind of trying to brush my hair away. I'm like, is my hair in my head? But it wasn't, it was just, it was feeling just like a, like a, like a pulsing sensation right wow. in the center of my head. And it was like anything that came to mind, uh, there was no grasping. It was just like, boom, there it is. Boom, there it is. Boom, there it is. And I came out of that and I'm like, there's, I could not have, there's nowhere else I could go with this experience from there. So why would I enter back into like the pits of hell again, just in hopes that it decides to grace me with like lifting me back up to the heavens again? You know, yeah. I, get it, I get it. I experienced it. And I felt a very strong, like, process this fully before you even think about going back there. Yeah. But, yeah. I mean, and I, I ultimately went back one time, wasn't as profound, did leave my body again. Uh, but, like, I, I haven't gotten a more profound experience than that for from DMT. And with, you know, with mushrooms, it's just, a, like, these it's the slowing down. It's, mm -hmm. it's the, just these little insights of, for me, I guess at this point in my life accomplishment that I've never really taken the time mm -hmm. to process or, you know, you don't want to get like pat yourself on the back or anything like this. It's just like, okay, you did something, keep working, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah. There's no time for, celebration and if you do it's very short-lived and you keep keep moving forward um i know we're running out of time but i something came up in my when you were talking that i wanted to yeah. address two things one is a story about salvia that where i took uh like i did salvia one time i was sitting right in front of this big uh I had a big, everyone has a big TV, right? So I had this big uh, TV. And I was also, this was a long time ago. I was in the army. I was not happy with, I had already been to Iraq twice. I was in a, a, a marriage I wasn't happy with. And mm -hmm. just like 
probably at a very low point in my life and probably maybe why I was doing Salvia to begin with. But that experience was so bad that I was just like, just let me go back to reality. I'll be happy, I promise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I hated my life at the time. And I ultimately ended up transitioning uh, significantly. And my life is much better now. But that, when you said that, just let me out, I'll, I'll be happy. I thought that was kind of funny. It, Salvia is trippy. I don't like yeah. it. I don't like it. I've never, that's what I've heard from everyone that it's just really not a pleasant experience. And, yeah. and I'm good. I'm yeah, good. I don't I just take our word for it. I'm not that. the kind of psychonaut where I'm like, I have to do everything. I have to do every single, you know, uh, psychoactive compound that, that really doesn't, that's really I, not what drives my, my exploration. Yeah. And you're at a level of like cognitive elevated level where I, and you know we do whatever calls to you but you're i don't feel like you need improvement on that level you know what why <laughs> why anyone does that. mushrooms like because for me it's like they they say sometimes that it, it generates like neurogenesis so it could yeah like, could, could sure. make you smarter in a way mm -hmm. but like for you I, I wouldn't think that that would be necessary um but we all do it for our own reasons. Little do you know, little do you know the garbage that goes on up here, my friend. Well, the, and okay, so that was funny of that, it. That was literally the other part of the the two things, and that was the other one: is these the two minds, you know, within ourselves, the negative self-talk, the, mm -hmm. the guy like you're a piece of shit, you're not good enough, you suck, you're ugly, whatever, you're too short, um, because oh. you're. Well, yeah <laughs> that was funny uh just you know because you're so uh, educated in in the psyche it seems with all the philosophy you've mm -hmm. studied like what can you explain what that is based on your understanding uh self-criticism in general or what my well because yeah. yeah that's there's like a voice in your head that says like you're a fucking idiot and you're just like hold on well who is that i get so so from that from you know there's kind of two ways to skin the cat so to speak here one way is the more conservative uh david goggins or uh jordan peterson kind of way where it's like look bitch you aren't perfect and work harder just keep working on yourself and there's another way to to view it, which I think um, is much more popular these days, which is like you're good just the way you are. You're you're perfect. You don't. Need, there's nothing wrong with you. And strangely, I think they're both true, because I think if you develop a positive psychical disposition in the way of like everybody's just a work in progress and nobody's bad for where they are. Nobody's bad for the hand they were dealt or the strengths they have or the talents or the weaknesses or whatever. And from that standpoint, we're all fundamentally good in our flawed state, no matter where we are. But on the other hand, if you want truth and you want improvement you need to confront the wrinkles 
and be like, ah, that's a wrinkle. I will work on straightening this. I will work on eliminating this wrinkle. And that's not something that should be avoided or or whitewashed, you know, like, and and there's also Platonic wisdom to back this up too. Like one of my favorite philosophers, again, is Plotinus, who's this later Platonic philosopher who wrote an immense amount um, in these books called the Enneads. And he has a famous example of like the self as a statue. It's like if the statue has some shit that's wrong with it, if it has like a pointy edge or it has a, a, a part that needs more detail, work on that. Don't, don't pretend it's not there. Confront the reality of it and work on it. So I think there's a way that you can sort of marry those two things. And then there's the whole, you know, neurological standpoint of like, why does the brain do this? Well, it's unfortunately, it's a bug and a feature of the human brain and the prefrontal cortex, because what makes us human in many ways is that part of the brain, because it allows us to be self-referential. It allows us to look in the future, think about the past, say, I don't want to repeat that mistake, or I really liked that. I want to do it again. But then within all of that, you get, I'm a fucking idiot, right? Because I did this and that was my fault and I never should have said this or done that. So there's ways that it spins out of control and becomes a liability. So it all just kind of circles back in on itself, you know, whether you're talking about it ideologically or philosophically or neurologically, it's it's just, it's this thing you have to grapple with, you know, yeah. and, and this and this you get to be the decision maker through whatever tools you have at your disposal and if you feel like it's totally out of control then i mean i i think i just gave you some some uh ammunition to kind of dig deeper into into ways to get a different pov on that or or manipulate that and i guess in the throughout this whole podcast that's sort of what we've done you know whether it's through self-work and in whatever myriad of ways, I think all of those things help to recontextualize that and help to make that a little more tactile because it is hard to even understand how to get your hands on it sometimes. Yeah. I, I, I try to like either turn it off that, that negative self-talk or reframe it into a positive. And, but I like your assessment in that, like, it might be pointing out some areas where there are wrinkles that you need to flatten out and, you know, get corrected. So I, that's a different perspective because, you know, you might just, you can either give into it, have all this negative self-talk and it spiral out of control, stop it completely, but then you might not be evaluating yourself, but there's some kind of middle ground that I think is probably the happy medium and that will f get you kind of in the right balance Agreed. mentally. So Agreed. I think we had a, uh, this was fun. This was great. I'm, I was like stimulated. So thank you very much. Me too. I hope, I hope uh, everyone out there listening was, this is probably one of the best ones for sure. So thank you very much, Michael Phillip, Third Eye Drops. You can get more of him there. I recommend uh, listening to his conversations with Eric Godsey. They have some uh, great mind melds. 
And uh, anything else you would like to add, sir? No, man, I appreciate you having me. Congrats on everything you have going. It's a, it's a beautiful accomplishment. I'm stoked for you and everybody involved. And, and thanks for having me, man. Yeah, dude. You, same likewise to you. You're, you have a great thing going. Just keep it going. And uh, like the cream rises to the top. So you got the cream, baby. Ooh, thanks. <laughs> Dalla Dalla Bills, y'all. Yeah. You got to have both that kind of cream and the Wu-Tang kind of cream. Yeah, cash rolls everything around me. And you're in balance. You're in balance. That's what we're looking for. And that's what we hope you found by listening to this podcast today. Thank you again. We'll be back soon. Until next time, stay free. Godspeed. Godspeed. Godspeed.